Welcome to Influential She, the podcast about accelerating the influence of women in the world. You will find us to be a fresh voice in an old conversation. And here we are, your amazing co-hosts, Deb Soholt and Mel Shop. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Influential She. We're just like super excited that you would choose to tune in and spend your time with us just chatting a little bit about the influence of women in the world. I'm your co-host, Deb Soholt. And I'm Mel Shop, And we're really excited today to have a guest that's going to talk with us about our high level practice of what is, and you know, Deb, this is probably one of the ones that we started with when we had our conversations amongst each other that was so critically important. I know that we've written a lot about this. Uh, we haven't we haven't podcasted with a lot of guests about this, so I think this is why today it'll be really fun to be able to talk with Kristen about this. Deb, you have this great tagline I love every time we talk about what is, and this you own it, man. Yeah, this is all yours. Well, you know, when we talk about what is, you know, there's that statement that says, well, it is what it is. And I think many times that puts us in like a victim place of just like, we can't possibly make a decision around it. We just, and that is true in things that we cannot control. But what we're talking about in what is, is just really, and this is the tagline you're talking about, Mel, is the, you know, just giving yourself a good truth slapping. And sometimes that truth slapping is like, ow, oh my gosh, that just really hurts because the what is is about the baggage that you bring that you may have to really just face objectively without any kind of judgment and say, this is something that is what is for me, but it's also what's going on around you in the environment. Yeah. And and not only what's going on around the environment, but really, you know, like you said, it's it's what we bring with us, it's what we remember, it's kind of what our childhoods have done that influence about how we act and react. And I think, I know that's where we're going to start today with our guest. Kristen, we're just really excited to have you with us today. Kristen Strobel, um, you're currently with what they call the BGR group, but we're going to have to talk a little bit more about where you came from, what you've done, but welcome to our show, Influential She. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. You bet. Okay. So when we visit with you earlier, you know, you're, you're just truly, if I, if I could put a stake in the ground about who you are, you're just a political junkie. It's <laughs> just been your life. That's who you're at. That's what, but what's so fun is your story about what got you interested in that. Can you just share a little bit with our listeners about how you got on this pathway? Absolutely. I'm, I became very interested even at the age of five. Uh, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, her name was Marilyn. She was the president of the Ohio League of Women, Women Voters, and that's where I'm from. I lived in Ohio for 28 years, proud Buckeye. And Marilyn was very politically active um, behind the scenes, but one of her main goals was to try to get ver- voter turnout and a lot more women just in general involved in politics. And I remember when I was almost in the first grade helping my grandmother lick envelopes to send out mailers for people, and I'm like, this is interesting. And then Throughout uh, my high school years, uh, they allowed high school students, as long as an election precinct was taking place at your high school, they allowed us to be an intern, kind of a uh, usher of information around the precinct. And I was like, oh, I like working at this uh, precinct. I like the political operation, the voting days. It was exciting. And I got to skip classes for the day. But I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's the true motivator. But I, I was like, oh, I like being an election poll worker and I like the process. And that's really the bug that bit me at a young age of like, there's 
the political process is so interesting. There's so much that I didn't know, which made me even more hungry to learn more. And it's from there, from kind of the support of my grandmother and, and other motivations uh, in the political arena that I decided I want to go on and study political science in college and, and beyond. And uh, when I was about 17, I went to go to Ohio University, where I ended up getting my undergrad and master's. And one of the things that I found very intriguing is everyone that was on my tour for my program uh, was almost everyone was male. And I liked the fact that 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 was exciting to me that, okay, political politics at the time was very male dominated, and it still is to this day. And I found that as another goal that I wanted to overcome or achieve is, you know, I'm a woman, I can do everything that these men are doing. And I, I just found that as a challenge that I wanted to take on. So that's kind of where I got from young age up to college, and then now beyond where I'm working for a bipartisan firm and a lot of jobs in between, but it, it was, it's been a journey that's continuously made me excited. Definitely want to talk about you being um, in the minority there, but before we do, Kristen, I'm, I'm curious because, you know, with you being that engaged in politics, why didn't you run for office? I mean, you have, you have these really great um, things along the way, but I'm really curious about that. And I was going to ask you about that. What, why did you take this route rather than actually take the route of running? I think that's a really good question. And I respect and admire all of the people who have given really their, their life's service to public service and, and their time. But in politics, there's many ways to impact policy and change state, local, federal, and beyond. Uh, mine, I, I'm a very behind the scenes person. And I've always been a, a little bit more, you said political junkie, but I'm a policy wonk. Um, I, I love to make an impact policy and some people are great in front of the camera. I like to be behind the camera. Uh, and I just felt like I could make as much of an impact, if not more so by working on the policy end and, and helping those elected or, you know, in a volunteer capacity or in a working capacity, help those people make changes. So, uh, for me, I'm a little bit more private, you know, I wasn't necessarily interested in getting stopped in the grocery store every five minutes with some <laughs> constituent <laughs> having an issue with their pipeline. But, um, I, I, like I said, I, I very much value the people that serve. I've worked for several elected officials, um, but yeah, I like to make policy and changes behind the scenes as much as possible and support the overall process. Cause as we know, it's a complete balance of, we need exactly. input from everyone, public and private. So Kristen, let's just talk a little bit about, you know, this whole thing of politics and policy, because when I think about what is this angst between differing viewpoints and differing values, I mean, that's what politics and policy is all about. And yet it just seems like we're so surprised that there's really dug in different positioning. And so a lot of people just throw their hands up and say, well, you know, just is what it is. And there's just nothing you can do about it. And these people are always going to be doing the wrong thing. They're all like really crooked. So I find it so interesting how you got really turned on to saying this whole what is of public life, public policy and influencing it is something that's intriguing Tell us a little bit more about your viewpoint of just that whole world and, you know, how much fun it can be. Definitely. Well, I'm a moderate millennial. I try as much as possible to remove politics when I can. And if politics exists, is very prevalent in an issue, uh, I try to find a common ground. We just saw this at the federal level with 
the bipartisan infrastructure package and trying to find the common ground on both sides of the aisle, which I know is incredibly challenging at both state and local and federal. Uh, but I'm one of those people that wants to work in the middle for consensus rather than these are all the reasons that we're apart. Where are we together? And one of the things that's uh, helped me throughout my career that's been um, a center point or a focal point or my North Star, if you will, is learning about the other people or person that you're working with on the issue. I think once you build a relationship with someone, where they're, whether they're completely against you or you have some things that are alike and others that are different, it's finding that common ground. And we all have that. We have that as Americans on everything that we're doing. It's just really finding um, that, that center issue where we can come together. And, and that's not always easy uh, because there are these very divisive issues that are affecting us throughout the country. But I do think that we have more in common than we have that's part. And, and finding that in policy is something that I spend a lot of time on and I'm passionate about doing so because policy is even more effective when it's impacting uh, a consensus amongst people. Well, you know, we just need your voice out there <laughs> a lot more I, because we're just, we really are struggling with that um, in so many ways to have that sort of normalcy and consistency in the way that we message things that can be done from a, a place of of listening, I guess it is. But I'm going to switch this around because now I just really want to get to the part that I find so fascinating about you. So here you are, you're, you talked a little bit about this where there's just this, you know, when we talk about the percentage of male, female in the world of politics, policy, um, whether it's elected officials or whether it's the individuals who are working with you in the work that you're doing, you're, you definitely are in the minority. And, and you've shared a couple of interesting stories about that pathway about understanding your, your, what is, because number one, Kristen, if anybody looks at your pictures, you're a very attractive woman. But you're very, very intelligent and you have a lot to offer. And you had this sort of thing where you had to really find your way along this path to make your voice heard amongst all of the noise that's out there. Talk a little bit about that and what you've observed over time and how you've really found a way to make, um, to use, to understand what your what is to become who you are today. Well, answer that twofold. First, I mean, I've been very, very blessed at every level that I've worked from uh, the Ohio state government for both the attorney general and for the state legislature. And then in, you know, the private sector, especially at the BGR group, I'm supported fully by male executives that want to see me rise as a woman. I remember during my interview process with the firm that I'm currently at that, uh, both my practice head and my CEO, I said, you know, I would like to build out women's outreach at this firm, both for our clients and for the way that we engage with female state legislators and uh, statewide elected officials. And they said, great, we love that. We support that. Whatever tools or resources you need, you have it. And so I am blessed again, that I am supported by my male and female colleagues to make this a reality and to expand the engagement that I do. But secondly, I mean, it's not always an easy journey. I have had, uh, based on looks, age, or gender, things that have worked against me. Uh, I may be the person in the room that's leading the meeting, and I people have assumed that I'm an intern, based on I may look younger than, you know, I'm out 
aging rapidly, but you know, for my tenure in, in politics, they don't know. Um, and so they ask someone else in the room, who should we refer this question to, even though I'm the one leading the discussion. Uh, so that's been, that's been a challenge at times being taken seriously as a woman. I've, you know, been told that I've been in the room to improve the view. Uh, many endless examples that I can give that I know I'm not alone in this world and that these are things that I face. And so the age and the gender have been challenging, but it's also based on no matter how you look, it's really proving yourself and proving that you're there for a reason and getting bills passed or affecting policy changes that are impactful to the state or, or nationally based on hard work and intellect. And there's a reason why I have the seat at the table, but I sometimes have to work harder for others to prove that, that I wasn't, I've never just been given a job ever. I've had to work for everything I have. And I think I appreciate it even more because of that struggle uphill battle I've had at times. So Kristen, talk a little bit about, you know, for our listeners, just some tips to kind of work through that struggle of, you know, you're here to improve the view or not being taken seriously. Like it must be a guy running this meeting because, you know, even though you're doing it, somebody else must have this answer. You look too young. You couldn't possibly be experienced enough. So I think it's easy to, you know, get a chip on your shoulder about that. And you sound though in your comments, so balanced on perspective about, know what? I got to, I got to do the work. I got to roll up my sleeves and get this done. Talk a little bit about how you found your course to do that. And what did you have to kind of work through to get to that place of just the grit? I kind of view my personal journey as I would, you know, getting a a bill passed through a legislature. You don't give up. You're very persistent. And I realize I come in with the viewpoint that I'm not going to change everyone. Some people are set in their ways and have been for 60, 70, 80 years, and you're not going to change that individual but you can change the way that you project yourself. And so I continue to be a professional and then also finding allies that believe in the same goals as me. If that's another male at my firm or another client or someone that is supporting and understanding that I'm there for the right reasons and believes in me, but I always have to just believe in myself and you have to pick and choose your battles of where you actually think you're going to find success. And I think just staying consistent and persistent uh, with trying to be there to do a job rather than to change people's minds has, you know, kind of stuck, stood with me, stuck with me the whole time, um, of having that common goal. I know Kristen, you, um, you shared with us that there was a couple situations where you felt that, you know, not only did you have to prove yourself through the hard work you did, but you had to defend yourself. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about that and defend yourself as far as the work that you did and, and how you got it done? Because those are things that as women, men would never have to think about that. And I think those are things that we need to talk about. We need to own, but somehow you kept your North star, which I really appreciate you using that phrase um, and, and did not let that define who you were. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, when I worked in Ohio, I was the youngest policy director to a statewide elected official in history of the state. I, for a lot of moving reasons of shifts of jobs and people coming and going within the administration, I was given the job to be a policy director at the age of 26. I was part of a senior staff where everyone was at least 20 years my senior. They were great to me. The attorney general was great to me. 
But there were times where I had a lot of uphill battles and struggles there where I was trying to get bills passed. And especially in state capitals, it's a small, you know, insulated area. Rumors will start where people will say things such as, uh, you got this passed because of a close relationship maybe you had with that state senator or, you know, this or that. That's completely false, but not taking into account that I got something passed because of the hard work and intellect that I have. And I just had to, again, stay persistent, stay with my North Star, know that that is their issue that they have with themselves and their own insecurities. And I'm there for the right reason. And I'm going to get this done. And again, just work with the allies that I have, but it's not been easy. It's not been easy that people say that you get things done because of the way you look or, you know, inappropriate relationships that they claim you have that sometimes I don't even know the people that they're claiming. So it just becomes (laughs) comical. And I actually think about sometimes, you know, what celebrities go through in that regard of like that, where they're, you know, assigned to or aligned with having some form of a relationship with someone that they don't even know. Uh, so to just overcome that of, um, really having a good foundation and a good center, I have a great family. I have a great friends network and I've had, I've had great support from the people that I work with that know who I am, know I'm authentic and know that I wouldn't do anything, uh, other than what is right to get my job done. So Kristen, in those moments, because, you know, in retrospect, you can see how you were so tough, you know, to make your way through that and that you do have good support systems. How did you help yourself in some of the emotional low of it? Were you just like, are you kidding me? Like just the, the human factor of uh, what? I mean, did that just like, did you have anger fuel or did you have to step back and you know, console yourself some? I mean, how did you start to move through that? Because I think that's sometimes things we don't talk about, just the real human experience when it's tough like that. I think it's very hard. I, a lot of my friends in my, you know, very small group of friends are not involved in politics. So sometimes when I try to explain to them what I'm going through, it's a little bit challenging, but they also provide a perspective to me that is unique to those of us that are involved in politics. And I think having that strong core group of friends and family to reassure and reground you has always been helpful. And you just have to have thick skin. I can't have a lot of things that people negatively say or claim or, you know, the ways in which I've been inappropriately touched or remarked to where, you know, I just have to, while it's not okay, I just have to continue to remind myself that I'm there for a reason and I have a goal to get something done. It is challenging, but I am thankful to have people that I can bounce these situations off of and are there that are going to support me no matter what. So one of our things when we start talking about what is, is really stepping back and assessing the landscape of all the things around you. You've talked about, you know, your supportive family and friend relationships. And I I mean, you're so right that you need people in your life that A, don't really fully understand what this is all about, but B, also know you well enough to kind of give you that personal boost. But when you're going in and you're really trying to, so we talk a lot about, you know, some of the time we would have saved in our roles of really earlier on in our careers, assessing the landscape instead of coming in and saying, yeah, I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'm going to make my way through. 
talk about how you came to this place of really assessing. I mean, you're young. And so trying to, you know, look at, okay, I need this connection. I've got to build this influential power base in order to get this thing done. How did you start coming to really looking at the lay of the land and accepting it for what it was versus, you know, railing against it? Like if you were in a large male centric, it'd be easy to kind of start to rail against it and say, you know, I am woman, here I am. But you took a different tact. Talk a little bit about how you read the room of what you're up to and look at the landscape and start to work within it instead of trying to absolutely change everything you don't like? Well, I think a good way to begin, and I always do this, is to try to scope out what can be achieved. And I look at it, and I know the uh, now governor, Mike DeWine of Ohio, would say the same thing. We went into a lot of legislative issues with, there's the full loaf of bread, but Kristen, if you can get me one third or two thirds, that's way more bread than we had before. And that's the way that I kind of approach life now in, in the private sector or just in general of there's, there's some things that I'm going to achieve and be successful on and make an, an impact and change. And there's other things that while it may not be the right time or right place, I do see a change in the air and those may eventually uh, improve for the better over time. And I think my involvement with a lot of women's groups outside of uh, the organization that I work for, and I, you know, I'm very involved in WIG, NFWL, Women in Government Relations, that's also a network that I tap into with like-minded women who are also in the same arena that I'm in that are dealing with similar situations. And we share experiences and stories, but we have a full understanding that this isn't going to happen to change overnight. We just have to keep working hard, knowing why we're there and making policy changes. And then the harder that we work and the more that we rise within our companies and as women and prove that we can kind of do it all, I I think that that impact just itself will trickle down and make some changes along the way. So it's kind of take on and achieve, you know, a little bit at a time. It's can't get the full, full loaf overnight. That's what I find really fascinating that, you know, there's a couple ways that we've observed women over time, I would say, that women feel like they have one, like, you know, one or two or three paths they can take. One is that they come in and they're just going to be, excuse my language, going to be the bitch in the room because that's how I'm going to make myself seen and heard. Or they come in passively and really underplay and under you know, underplay what they can do just to work within the system, or they come in like you. You know, I what I'm really curious about, you know, yeah, you talked about your grandmother. You said you've got a great family. What about your mom and the other women around you that obviously helped to shape you because you you came in with this really grounded way that you didn't have to, you know, you didn't fight your way in. You're not fighting. You're just using that. I'm kind of curious. Where do you think you got this, this grounding from? Absolutely. Well, both of my parents, my mom and dad are not involved in politics, but they support anything and everything that I want to do. And my mom was not hard on me, but she expected a lot out of me. And I am where I am today because of her and her mom. I had to get a job when I was 14. I had my first checking account when I was 15. By the time college came around, I think I was working at least three jobs on my campus. So work and working hard has been instilled in me and believing in myself and knowing that they believe in me has always been 
a foundation that I can look back on. But I've loved working. So it's never been something that I've pushed back against. I've always wanted to achieve more and and be successful and be impactful to the community that I'm in. So I've loved it, but leading by example, and then I, I do as much as I can to not only seek the advice of mentors that I've had in my life, but also to be a mentee to other younger women. And my mom, my grandmother have been that to me, but I try to be that to other younger women in the groups that I'm in or have just come into the field of government affairs or politics and, and, you know, be a resource to them. And so I think a lot of it is once you get to the top and I'm by no means at, you know, the top, but as much as possible that you can send the elevator back down has been helpful. Well, that's a really great way to put it, Kristen. And, you know, I think that's something that we have seen with women moving up that the trajectory has been so difficult for many that it's sort of a zero sum game that there's just not enough places. So everybody's going to have to fight their way to the top. And I think that's something where we really have to say, you know, that's something from the past and we need to set a new landscape and a trajectory, much like what you're talking about, to just help people along. And I see that in the politics that I was involved in, that, you know, actually some of the women legislators were kind of tough on the new women legislators coming in and, you know, to really rise up to be more generous, to say, no, I'm going to start to help shepherd another generation to come in and give as much advice as possible. You can take it or leave it, but here's some of the landmines that might take you a few years to learn. And, you know, I think, like you said, to send the elevator back down, you know, talk a little bit about your role as a principal in this group and what you're up to. Well, I'm very thankful. I have uh, a lot of balls in the air every day. I'm trying to manage, but working on so many different issues, it's actually somewhat similar to what I did when I worked for the Ohio attorney general, because we had 23 legal sections and working at a lobbying firm or government affairs firm that has multiple different clients that are in totally different arenas, keeps things exciting. You may be on a call with something highway related, and then four minutes later be discussing something that's dealing with affordable housing. And so I like that there is variety every day is a different day. While I still have the common goal for getting things achieved or in some cases, as you know, stopping things that may not be um, advantageous to to the client to get it done. But it's very exciting. And I like seeing when something has been finished or completed or you've made an impact. And it is hard to gauge in the world that I'm in, what is success? Is it necessarily just getting a bill passed? Is it getting a governor to issue a proclamation in support of something? Is it blocking legislation? And the answer is yes to all of it. And and that's what's very exciting is there's a lot that you can do in this space. Every day is different, but you know you're making an impact. And I have the true luxury of doing it across the country. It's not just isolated to one state. That's where I learned to do what I'm doing now in the state of Ohio. But doing it nationally, and, and we all three know how much action is happening at the state and local level versus federal, that uh, it's it's constantly in movement, constantly in motion. And I really like to be part of that. So, Kristen, if you could project yourself out, I don't know, let's go 10 years. What do you envision for yourself? 
because you're, de- you're definitely not done. I mean, you, you've got just this great pathway and then we're going to cut, but I'm just really curious what you, what you foresee. I can't, I don't see you staying in the same place for a long time, but what do you really want long-term? And, and that's my first part of the question. And the second part is if you could get some advice to women who are coming up and really want this sort of thing, what would you give advice? So two-part question. Well, for me right now, I'm incredibly happy. I feel very supported by the firm that I'm at and I love the client work that, and the space that I'm in. Uh, I don't know what to expect for the future, but down the road, I would eventually like to be a mother. And I've said previously how important my family is to me. And so my next step in a future family will probably impact my decision-making of where I'm working, how much I'm traveling, and how I can balance that to make sure that it works for my family. Uh, So that's a little bit of an unknown that I can't predict necessarily of what will happen. uh, But I know that that will be something that will be taken into account when I make future decisions. It could be with BGR. um, It could be in a specific policy area or an isolated region in the country that I just don't know. And for other women, uh, one of the things that I think makes me very good at my job is the fact that I have a plethora of job opportunities and experiences in different areas. I've worked in the public sector for state government. I've worked in a legislature. I've worked for a statewide elected official. I worked nonprofit for two different trade associations. And now I work in the private sector at a multi-client firm. So variety is important. And those experiences are all different, but connected. So when I speak sometimes to younger women, to some of my mentees, which I have, I think, three right now that I'm in programs with, is every couple years, especially in the first couple years right out of college, is to force yourself into different experiences. So you're not just working for one entity. You're not working on Capitol Hill or for the Florida legislature for 15 years. While that's great. I think you will be the best version of yourself if you can take on a lot of different challenges and opportunities. So anytime that, and I'll even say that I go back and speak every year, if not twice a year to Ohio University, to the graduate program that I was a part of, I go back and speak to students, how to navigate the first five years when you leave college. They have speakers come all the time that are these accomplished people in the workforce that have worked 30, 40, 50 years, but that doesn't resonate as much with to them with someone like me who I can say, this is what I did in year one, and this is what I did in year five, and this is what you can do. And I think with that, it's, again, building up a variety of experiences, whether those are internships, paid or not, different jobs. So continuously challenging yourself. And I view the way that I work almost like the muscles in your body, right? You want to have different exposure to different exercises. I want to have different experiences with different either policy areas, different clients, different things that I'm doing, uh, because that shapes me to be a much better person holistically. We could have used that advice, right, Doug? Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) We needed you like, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah, we did. (laughs) So Kristen, if you were giving advice, because I think sometimes, uh, you know, with the lesser amount of women just in politics and the policy arena, while it's growing and it's getting better all the time and every election there seems to be gains, there's still a lot of ground to cover. And I think sometimes when we've been talking with um, our female counterparts, we just hear, you know, I just don't do politics. I, I just don't do any of that. And yet the world is all about 
the reconciliation of differing values. And that's what politics and policy is all about. We're just reconciling different values. So we're kind of in it. Everybody's sort of in it all the time. And some people are just more at the forefront of it. So what advice would you give to other women about thinking about not necessarily formally into the policy and politics arena, but just embracing the idea of policy and politics? So we all know the saying that all politics is local, right? So I think one of the things that's intimidating to women or or people in general is, you know, they see what's going on in Washington, D.C. or at the federal level. And that is in itself intimidating or politics or campaigns have become so nasty that people kind of shy away from, I don't want to get involved. But at the local level, and I'm a behind the scenes person, the local level, there's a lot of ways for you to get involved, whether it's you personally running for city council or school board, but also volunteering. A large part of the work, the really impactful work that my grandma Marilyn did was through a volunteer capacity. And I volunteered through a lot of ways throughout my life. I'm still to this day an election poll worker even though I have my other job because it's some, it's a way that I like to give back and I do not take payment on those days. And it's something that I like to do. So you can start with something as small as, you know, writing a letter or an email to your local representative or your federal, you know, congressman, whatever that may be, your voice can be heard and is definitely going to be listened to as long as you just continue to stay persistent and to work through a network that you may have. And starting locally is the best way to do it. And you can uh, remain in a volunteer capacity, so it may not be intimidating. And if you at some point want to go in and testify or take a meeting, there's so many ways that you can change policy, legislation, you know, throughout your state or local entity without having to be in a hired role or a paid role. And I think that that's important, that people can get involved, whether it's on the campaign end or on the policy end to make changes uh, that really start local. Or even a simple cup of coffee yeah, with someone to share an opinion about something you're passionate about. Absolutely. Yeah, you started that way. And I was just um, reflecting when you talked about, you know, building the relationship. I think that's where, you know, I, both Deb and I spent a lot of time doing that in in the work that we did, particularly w- within the legislature. But that's such powerful, strong advice because it's the only way to kind of break down the walls and so forth. So I think, you you know, you talk about these multifaceted ways of being engaged. Um, a lot of it will help to break down those barriers and also build those relationships and then change can be made. But and you know what, and you know what okay, Mel, ahead, Mel, to your point, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what really is? is that we're just all human beings to kind of trying to make our way. And, you know, to Kristen's point earlier, if you can just find the human connection amongst us as people and move beyond the opinions and everything else, then, you know, maybe we can truly find a path forward that can be some nugget of agreement where at least we could connect um, on humanity if we can't in all of our ideas and our perception of how it should be. Well, Kristen, I know we've we've got a cut this off, but you're an amazing young woman with a lot yet to offer. And we just truly appreciate your time with us today. This means a ton. I'm so thankful to be here. I love spending time with empowering women and and talking about how we can 
you know, make positive changes. But I, I really uh, am thankful for you including me today. And I look forward to listening to your podcast in the future. Well, thanks. And to all of our listeners out there, thanks so much for joining in to another episode of Influential She. You know, we always like to kind of leave you with a wicked question to really think about. And based on all the things that Kristen shared with us today, really want you to think about ways in which you can engage and be bold in the way that you approach life and think about where can you really take on that pathway that allows you to get engaged and look at your life through the lens of empowerment. And so thanks so much for joining in. We hope to hear from you again. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed our podcast, we'd be so jazzed if you rate us on whatever app you use to find us. And hey, be sure to tell all your friends about Influential She. And please visit us at InfluentialShe.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. And you know what? If you come up with a new one, please let us know. In the meantime, remember, stay influential. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode.